1: This is the Fray podcast, brought to you by the fray.com, a place for women who want more from life. This is what I want. This is what I need. If you don't have to go, I can set you free. Are oh, you going? Today's podcast is brought to you by Esme Skin Minerals. Now, Esme is the skincare brand that I have been using exclusively for years, and I am obsessed with their range. I love their cleansers, their gentle foliants, their new encapsulated retinol, and their skin treats have been an essential part of my skincare routine for a really long time. I'm talking years. Now today I wanted to chat with you about their mineral BB cream because some of you don't know that Esme have this incredible BB cream that gives you a light but flawless coverage. It also It helps to calm and heal damaged skin. It's a great moisturizer. So you get that moisture factor, but you also get that tint from a really subtle foundation. So a bit of coverage, but it's also looking after your skin. Speaking of, it also contains SPF 15, which is great. It fights dehydration because it has hyaluronic acid in the product so i mentioned their skin treats when you think of esme you probably think of their iconic blue hyaluronic hydrating serum it is like a glass of water for your face it's so great so there is hyaluronic acid in this bb cream so that's what really helps to smooth and plump and hydrate and protect and give you that glowy dewy overall look that i know a lot of you really really like So this BB cream is where skincare meets natural makeup coverage. They've got a couple of shades available. So jump over and have a look at what they've got there. A little bit goes a really, really long way. And like all Esme products, it is made in Australia and it is cruelty-free and vegan. So it's definitely a BB cream that you can feel really, really good about. And I know so many of you already love mineral makeup and I think you'll really like the mineral BB cream. So today I have a special code to share with you and you can get one of these BB creams completely free. A full-sized BB cream for free when you spend $60 or more on Esme products so if you need to top up your skin treat collection if you need one of those hyaluronic hydrating serums that I mentioned or perhaps cleansers a mask whatever it is that you might need they also have a great SPF jump over check out their website spend $60 or more Put the code Kylie Gift in capitals in at the checkout, and then you can select your shade for your completely free Esme Mineral BB Cream. I will put a direct link in the show notes and that code again Kylie Gift, but you can head to Esme.com.au and Happy shopping. Don't forget they have the skincare angels, the skincare consultants online who can help you make any decisions that are going to really meet your own skin goals. All right, let's get stuck into today's episode. It's a conversation that I really, really enjoyed. Today's podcast is a conversation with Melanie Hirsch. Melanie is a psychotherapist turned dating coach who teaches singles how to rewire the unconscious patterns that have been preventing them from having the love they truly desire. Melanie believes that dating and relationships are some of the most powerful catalysts for personal growth. Her approach is not focused on how to get the person you want, but on how to become the person who easily attracts love in. Her unique approach blends psychology, spirituality, and energetics to help her clients increase their self-esteem, know their worth, and easily attract healthy love and relationships into their lives. Melanie's work has been featured in Oprah's O Magazine, and it was such pleasure to have a conversation with Melanie. I so enjoyed it. It felt a little bit like a therapy session for me. So you're going to hear some of my own beliefs and patterns in this conversation. I think that you'll be able to take something from this podcast episode, whether you are in a relationship or you're single right now, I think it will provide food for thought. We discuss Um, what it's like to go through a separation, how you can move forward from a separation. We also speak about the gifts in the hard times, our childhood beliefs, why it's important to recognize these. We speak about a lot and we begin the conversation with a question that I am asked all the time on Instagram. So let's get stuck into my chat with Melanie Hirsch. Melanie, thank you so much for making time in your day to have this conversation with me. I'm really excited and I'm also a little apprehensive because it might turn into a bit of a therapy session for me. <laughs> well, <that's, laughs> so strap better. in.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm ready.
1: <laughs> All right. Before, before I start spilling my guts, one of the questions that I get asked daily daily, Mm -hmm. daily, daily on Instagram, Melanie, is how do I know when it's time to leave
0: a relationship? Mm, Such a good question. It can feel so hard and so confusing in the moment to know. You know, I think that it's time to leave a relationship when you continue to hit the same wall over and over and over again. And you've worked on it, you've put in the energy. I mean, relationships are messy, right? And and it Mm -hmm. they always bring, you know, our stuff comes up when we're in relationship. But if both of you keep hitting the same wall over and over again and you you've worked on it and you've worked on it and you've worked on it and it's just not budging. It's 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 time. You know, if you're in a relationship where you're not being treated respectfully um, and someone is not honoring your boundaries or they're being abusive in some way it's time, it's time to go yeah it's time if you're no longer feeling joy around this person and you kind of dread your interactions more than you do you know feeling lit up about seeing them and being around them and you've put in the time and energy like i said before and it's just not improving it's it's time to go
1: one of the things that I've heard another expert say, and I can't remember who it is. I'd love to be able to credit it, but my brain can only hold like a very small so amount much. of information. Yes, it I get <laughs> um, it. But I remember an expert saying, ask yourself if the issues that you're coming up against and the same things that you're going through if you would be happy to still be coming up against those same issues in five years, 10 years, 15 years. Mm. Like if you can go, okay, if we can't make any improvement and Mm. my lot in this relationship is to keep repeating the same patterns, keep hitting the same ceiling, will you be happy doing that still in five years, 10 years, 15 years? And if the answer is no, then that could be an indicator that this relationship is no longer
0: the right fit. Yeah. I love that. I love that question. Yeah. It's like, what are you willing to to deal with or to compromise on and what are you not? And so that's, I love that. That's great. Yeah. And yeah. I think, I think that really speaks
1: to the fact that we can often kind of romanticize the potential of a relationship. Mm. So it's like, I can see that if we could just get through this issue, we would be infinitely better, but it's like, yeah. there's no guarantee.
0: No. And I think that, Mm. yeah, I think this is something that people come up against a lot in in dating, you know, is just these, uh, it's like falling for someone's potential. Mm. And, you know, if we could just, if they just change this thing, or if we just could get beyond this thing, then it would all be fine. And it's like, I, I get the desire and the dream, but we have to look at what is actually present, not what's the dream or what could be, but what is and where are we really in this moment and what what can we do from this place here Um, i think it's so easy to get caught up in the fantasy of what could be and then just hang on to relationships that no longer work yes the fantasy of what could be and i think
1: also as humans we love a story you know our whole life we're making stories out of all different sorts of meaning so you've told yourself a story about a relationship And then all of a sudden to be confronted with the concept of having to rewrite your story and go, holy shit, what does it actually mean if I am now rewriting a story that includes a separation, it includes a divorce. It's so confronting. And I mean, I've struggled with this personally myself. Never in a million years did it cross my mind that when I got married and it might, I mean, not might, it was of course naive to think it because so many marriages do end in divorce. But it just was never part of my narrative that I would be divorced at 32, at 30, you know, and I'm now 34 and I'm still going, oh, how is this my story?
0: Hmm. Yeah. We get really attached to our stories and when we can let our stories go and just be present and get that we're, our story is being created moment by moment. And, you know, there's, there's beauty in our winding stories, you know, and in our journeys, but I think, yeah, we, we get attached. We get attached to people and stories and, and potential and all of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And so then the
1: next question I get, which goes hand in hand with how do I know it's time to leave a relationship is okay. I've made the decision. I have left a relationship, but I am so heartbroken and I don't know how to get over it.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Getting over it. Mm. Yeah. So getting over, getting over heartbreak, I mean, there's, it's never fun, right? It's never a fun moment, but I also find, you know, in those moments when breakups happen, there's, there's such, um, we're so ripe for growth in those moments, you know, like the, it's like all of our shit has come up and all of our stories have fallen apart and so we're really forced to look at ourselves and our lives and so there's something really beautiful that emerges when breakups happen not fun but but a beautiful part of our journey and our development I think and um, I think that you know when 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 breakups happen, it's so important to you know be able to get out of the story i think a lot of times people are so focused on the person that they ended the relationship with and what could i have done and why did this happen and and they just they're kind of obsessing and ruminating on that person and their relationship when i think really what is so helpful in those moments is to reflect on what showed up here like how how did i grow from this relationship what did i learn from being with this person Um, and really start honing in on what do I, what do I want to create? Like what kind of relationship do I really want to have? What's important to me now that I've come from this and I've had this experience, what do I want to create next? And kind of, you know, reflecting and then putting the energy forward. I think we get really, sometimes I I see people constantly get stuck on the past Mm. and it's like, you know, sitting in a, little bathtub of your sorrow in the past, it's not going to help you get anywhere. So, but reflecting on what you gained and really looking at what you want to create and moving that forward, I think that that is a really beautiful place to go when you, when you end up there.
1: I love that. I think that you've described that so well, Melanie, because Mm, it is a really painful time, but it can be beautiful. And, you know, you can hold both at once. It can be painful, but it can also be an invitation or an opportunity. And the way I've described it before, um, just in my experience, is when you hit rock bottom or when you feel like you've just completely dropped your bundle in life, you will feel terrible. You'll feel shit, but then eventually you will start to stand up and you'll look down at this bundle that you've dropped, and you can be more discerning with what you're picking back up.
0: Totally, totally. It's yeah. it's incredible what you can gain, and you know I've had the, those experiences too. Where and it and, and it's so interesting. I mean, I look back on. Times in my life where I really hit that rock bottom and was on my knees, you know, on the floor, just snotting and crying and all of that stuff, and we've feeling like been life been is there. over. Right, <laughs> well, yeah. we've all been there. It's a hot wreck. And I look back at those times, and those were the those were the most powerful times in my life of personal growth and development. Like those were the times when I really made some huge changes and some powerful shifts. And so yeah, it sucks and it's there's a huge growth opportunity that's always there in those moments. Mm.
1: And so for people that are perhaps at that rock bottom moment or feel that they might get there if they're contemplating going through a separation, yeah. what are some actual tangible actions that women can take? Because I know that sometimes when you're really low, hearing someone say, This is an opportunity. This is an invitation. And it's like, oh, you just have to kind of get through this sadness. But are there actions or tools that you recommend
0: um, women lean on during this time? Yeah. I mean, so there's so many. Um, I think, you know, one thing that kind of maybe sounds counterintuitive is um, I think that, you know, a lot of times when we're feeling that kind of pain, we want it to go away right? And so we just, we wanted like, what can I do to get this away? And sometimes it's Ben and Jerry's and <laughs> sometimes it's binge watching Netflix. And, and like, there's nothing wrong with that, right? We all have our, our things that we can go to just to kind of self-soothe. But I, what I recommend is really um, making sure that you don't escape too much and that you really learn to stay with it, like to allow that pain and whatever grief you're experiencing to just like burn through you like a wildfire like to lay down on the couch and just allow yourself to feel it all because so often we don't want to feel it so we avoid we numb we you know we go to all those things but the first thing is just allowing it because the only way to move through it is to allow it to move through you and the more that we avoid It's just going to come back in. So that's one very simple thing that I think is counterintuitive because we just want to escape. Um, And I think also, you know, there's so many different things that you can do in those moments. Like one is, you know, if there's a deep, if there's a, a huge trigger going on within you and there's just this immense grief, really tuning in and maybe asking yourself, dialoguing with yourself, when have I felt this before? Like what, how is this feeling familiar to me? and tuning in to, is there a time in your life, it could have been childhood or some other time where you've experienced this kind of grief. Sometimes that gets, it's like it all comes together. Like our grief isn't just the grief over that relationship, but it's all of the different grief that we've experienced. Collective grief. Yeah. yeah, It's like a grief party. you know. And, And so really to honing in on where does this feel familiar and being so loving and gentle with yourself and tuning into like what is actually present for you and how deep that goes. And, you know, being able to just like close your eyes and put your hand on your heart and breathe. And just like, I always say like pressing love. Like I always feel like there's love in my hand and then I'm just like pressing it into my heart and just like pushing that love in because we need so much extra love. And I think in these moments a lot of times we get really hard on ourselves and we criticize ourselves. I could have done this better. And why did I do this? And this is a time, it's not the time to criticize. It's the time for more love. Mm. So really being extra loving with yourself. And, and then I'll just throw in another one is, you know, being able to journal and reflect on, again, what did I gain from this? Like what, how did this relationship serve me? Like what, how what am I grateful for from this experience? And really honing in on the beauty of that relationship and how it's contributed to your life and allowing yourself to write and also allowing yourself to, to journal and write out the vision for the kind of relationship you want, mm-hmm. the kind of connection that you deeply desire and what you see for yourself as possible. And so just kind of creating this new vision and really stepping into that and free writing that, I think that that's really helpful as well. Literally rewriting your story. Yeah. 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 And getting how this served you and getting there, like being able to write, you know, that new narrative of where you're going and how this experience actually helped you and is helping you get to this other place. So- Yes. I'm you know, hu- there's so many little things to do, but yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: I was just going to say, I'm a huge fan of journaling. That has definitely yeah. been like, it's been a massive anchor, a massive tether for me and moving through heartache, being able to journal, write down my experience and just spew anything out without judgment, just get it all out is so cathartic. I also found it helpful to, and you know, this might, <laughs> you might be like, Kylie, that's not the best thing, um, but no, one no, of <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I did um, yeah. with my most recent breakout, which was a couple of months ago, which really hit me very, very hard, and I think it hit mm. me harder than was proportionate for the relationship, but I think mm. it was a lot of collective grief, as we mentioned, from my divorce yeah. because I, like, I could not stop crying, Melanie. Like for a week yeah. I sobbed. And oh. I'm working through all of, all of this with my therapist now and we have realized I don't let myself feel things fully. Mm. So back to your point mm. about just your hand on your heart and just going, oh, I feel however you feel in the moment rather than
0: yeah.
1: suppressing it or silencing it or overfunctioning or whatever. But
0: yeah,
1: back to what I was saying, something I found helpful was to literally write down the ways that that relationship was not going to serve me moving forward. Mm, So in that relationship, we did not have a shared vision for a future. I could Mm. see a future, but the person I was in relationship with could not, like he just could not allow himself ever to imagine a future with someone. So just writing Mm. things like that down, because it is important to me that there's a shared couple vision and you know, I wrote down other things and that was helpful for me to avoid romanticizing the relationship because when you break up, you tend to just think, oh, you know, they did all of these wonderful things. And of course those things are true, but you kind of let the not so great stuff slide in
0: hindsight sometimes. Totally. And I, I absolutely recommend that too. You know, I think it's the thing that I always would do when I would have a breakup is the first thing would be writing down a list of like everything that didn't work for me. Mm. And, and, and really going back to that because it is super easy, like you're saying, to just go back and romanticize and Oh, and remember that vacation and all, but it was like, we, we remember those great moments. So having, you know, anchoring down the different examples of what didn't work and how you felt and how that didn't serve, that is so helpful too, to remind you when you definitely, you know, when you're, when you're kind of going back to that story of all the good times, Yeah, really smart to do. Yeah.
1: So once a woman has, you know, given herself a little bit of time and perhaps practiced journaling and feeling her feelings, how does someone know if they're ready to start dating?
0: Hmm. I would say, um, if you are no longer, you're no longer in your grief mode, like you're no longer crying all the time. You're no longer checking their Instagram or Facebook or thinking about them. And you're not talking about them in conversations all the time. Like you feel clear in that place. Like you, you feel there's a, a feeling sometimes where we just go, I'm ready. Like I, I want to get out there again. And so when it, when it becomes a yes to get out there and it feels like it's coming from a clean place where you're like, I desire this and I'm ready versus I want to numb and find someone else to fill that space. You know, and I think that um, people definitely shouldn't get out there and date. Like if you're in a place where you're still angry at your ex, you're still bitter, you're incomplete you know, if you're holding on to resentments, you're not totally complete. And so those resentments can come out sideways and they're still in your space. And who wants to like, we wouldn't want to go date someone who's still resentful at their ex. I mean, it means that they they haven't let it go. So I think making sure that you're not resentful, you're not bitter, you wish them well, you you understand why it happened. It makes sense. And you just feel ready. I think that's, that's the time. The biggest indicator, that feeling of, I guess, kind of peace
1: of, you know, making peace with the fact that the breakup has happened, whether or not yeah. you were the one to initiate it. Um, yeah, I think that's brilliant, brilliant advice. Is yeah. there, in your opinion, when you're working with women, is there like a common block that you see time and time again with women um, that comes up? when they're looking for the love that they want?
0: Yes. (laughs) There's, there's, there's a bunch, but you know, the one that, the one that I see the most is that, you know, basically insecurities and fears. So I I think that there's a, a lot of people have beliefs, you know, subconscious beliefs that don't serve them that are, they're negative, they're limiting. It's, I'm not enough, or I'm too much, or I'm never going to find anyone, or dating, you know, finding the perfect person is going to be hard, or men are liars, or whatever the beliefs are. If if they have insecurities, fears, they're in scarcity mode around dating, or that stuff will absolutely get in your way and sabotage you uh, and prevent you from having the kind of relationship you want, because, you know, it's like whatever we believe we start attracting people in that mirror that belief back to us. So if, if you think you're not enough, then you're going to attract in people that don't meet you fully, or you don't feel like you're enough for them. Or, you know, it's like there, we're always going to attract in people that mirror our beliefs. So it's so important to make sure that your beliefs are in a really good, solid place. Uh, that way there's, you're not getting in your way. You know, there's nothing you're doing that's blocking yourself inadvertently. So I think that is like, to me, it's the most important thing. Absolutely. It's,
1: I guess, the fact that our beliefs really do impact what we think we deserve. And there's that famous saying, we accept the love we think we deserve. So if we believe that we are not worthy, if we believe that all men cheat, if we believe all men are controlling the good old beta-Meinhof theory is going to come into play where our brain and our actions yeah. seek out people that confirm that because, you know, yeah. as humans, that's what we want to do. We want to confirm our bias. We want to confirm our belief. So it makes so yeah. much sense to me what you're saying about whatever you believe, you attract. You call that person in. Totally.
0: It's, it's like – clockwork it just it's it's the way it works and there are so many women that i work with who when they first come to me they don't realize that these beliefs that they've picked up over time are actually completely sabotaging their experience so i think that this is to me this is the first place to really start working when you know when you do want to attract in a healthy partnership the first thing to do is to make sure that you you have no beliefs that are negative or limiting and that are going to prevent you from having ease in that area.
1: Mm. And what are some ways that women can actually start being more objective with their beliefs? Is it a case of kind of going back to your childhood and objectively scrutinizing or looking at the relationships that were modeled for you and also the relationships you've been in throughout your teenage years and your early twenties, like, is that a good place to start?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, that's a really great place to go. I mean, I have, I put everyone I work with, I have them go on a, at least like a 40 day, uh, practice where for every day they're working on rewiring their beliefs to really, um, unhook themselves and, uh, and reprogram the way that they think about things. But one of the things that we do is really looking at you know where did this belief come from originally you know like what when did i first feel this and so that is really powerful to be able to tune in and go oh you know like like for instance for me i you know i had this always this fear that people were going to leave me people were going to leave me people didn't really like me people were going to leave me and so i was always anxious in relationships and when I really started looking, where does this come from? People are going to leave me. People don't like me. And I'm like, oh, in sixth grade, all the girls ganged up on me one day and all of my friends disappeared in a moment while we're playing handball. And, uh, and it was devastating. But, you know, at the time I didn't realize, oh, this is impacting me. I should work on my beliefs. You know, you're a sixth grader. So as an adult, we can look back and go, oh, my gosh. That experience in sixth grade absolutely impacted h- how I've been operating for all these years, you know, since then, and, and this anxiety that I have that people are going to leave. So I think being able to identify where it came from and when you've experienced this before in your life is helpful because then you get this isn't just coming out of thin air, it's something happened and you created a belief around it that's not necessarily true, but it's just what, it's the story you made up in that moment.
1: Mm-hmm. So I
0: think that that is a really powerful thing to do. And then to also just be able to question it, like, is this really true? Like, is this belief really true or is it a story? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's
1: wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
0: Story that I told myself based on those experiences that happen. So really being able to pull it apart and, you know, get in there and look at, like, what is yeah, like, what's really going on there? Yeah, it's so important.
1: That's a big one for me personally, just in the last couple of years, looking at childhood beliefs and Mm. being able to pinpoint moments when I was as young as four years old that I grasped onto something that was said. And now as an adult, I can use my logical brain to go, well, As a four-year-old without a fully developed prefrontal cortex, I heard that one bit of information and I ran with it and I wove it into my identity and it's still impacting me at 34 and it's like, okay, now as a mum, you can understand that you say things in an offhand comment and you don't have any true intention behind it. But I guess just understanding understanding and having a bit of empathy and compassion for your inner child of going, oh, like you poor thing, you've been carrying this around for so long um, yeah. and now you can put it down. And I think that's really exciting. And what you mentioned about rewiring your thoughts, you know, like our, our brain is malleable in certain ways and to rewire our thoughts and to get that groove going, you know, that, that new thought pattern, that new loop. Yeah. And the more we work on that, the deeper that groove will get.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I and I'll I'll say too. You know, talking about like when we you know these past experiences that we've had and how they impact us. I in grad school, I had a teacher say, "If it's hysterical, it's historical." And that one really stuck with me because it's a good when one. we have right, because mm. when we have those giant freakouts, you know, when we are like just beside ourselves, you know, falling apart. Usually it's not just about what's going on in the moment, but it's old. It's historical. There's old stuff there. And if we can pull up that old stuff and see like, oh, what else is here? It's it it can, it can start to work with it. We can start to pull it on part apart and and unwind it. So yeah.
1: Definitely. I think that's a great, great saying. If it's hysterical, it's historical. I love that. I love love that. that So good. It reminds me, um, I've had conversations with trauma experts on the podcast and a lot of what they have said is if you have an overreaction, you know, if your reaction Mm -hmm. is disproportionate to the event that's actually taking place, that is your biggest invitation to understand you have some trauma around a belief that is being triggered. And I know the word triggered, um, here just gets used so much, like everything's triggering. Um, but really noticing if you are feeling triggered to be basic and use that word, it is an indicator
0: that you have some trauma around what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important to have that awareness. I think just being able to Be mindful of that is a game changer as you're moving through life.
1: Mm. Now, when it comes to attracting in a partner, we have our beliefs. So our beliefs Mm. can impact what we believe, what we see, what we seek, what we accept. But if you are working on breaking this cycle and you really want to attract in a different partner, a different type of partner – is it as simple as going against your instinct?
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think it's that simple. I think that it's it's it would be great if it was like, what do I want to do? Do the opposite. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> I, I ask that question, Melanie, because my instinct <laughs> lately um, is – I am drawn to, for lack of a better word, kind of nomad personalities, and I think uh-huh. that is because I desire more freedom in my own life. You know, not mm. not freedom in, um, I guess because I like I have nearly eight year old twins. I've got a pretty grown up life in a lot of ways, Ooh. and so I noticed instinctually I am drawn lately, and maybe because they're so opposite to Mm -hmm. the type at at the surface, opposite to the type of person I was married to, really drawn to like people that are very free, have no responsibilities. I'm drawn to that. And so I know that that actually might not serve me long term because as I said, I do want to be with someone that I can share a vision for the future with. And so I've noticed, you know, when I'm using dating apps and things like that, my instinct is to swipe on the guys that are living out of a van with long mm. hair and oh, no so job. And I'm like, ah, oh, Kylie, like that's your instinct. So maybe don't, maybe swipe for the men that seem slightly more stable. And I've just been kind of questioning this myself. Like do I go against my instinct or do I follow yeah. it?
0: and it's interesting it's interesting that 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 piece is there for you because there's you know part of me thinks there could be something interesting in there's two two sides that are coming up for me one is because there's such a draw i'm like wondering what it would be like if you went on a date with someone like that like what that would bring up for you or what you might experience or learn in that moment like maybe there's something to follow and explore in that Draw. But then also on the flip side, it's like if you know that that kind of person is not going to, it's not going to, they're not going to fit into your lifestyle, then it's really making sure that you're tuning into, well, I I would say like really honing in on what do I know I need to be happy in a relationship? Mm. Like, what do I really need to be happy? Because I think a lot of times we go for preferences or just energy and and we're not actually honing in on what do I need to be happy? And I think when we get really clear on that, then we naturally start picking people that are better for us because we're really tuned in to what we need on a deeper level. So- Great I don't know. Question. I don't know the work you've done. I don't know the work you've done in that area. And I, but I know that, like, for myself, when I got really clear on the kind of relationship I want to create and what that looks like and what that kind of partnership would would be like, I stopped being attracted to the guy. You know, certain kind of guys that were not a good fit for my lifestyle because it just it wasn't a yes anymore. I'd like so. You know, there's some different layers to that, but it's interesting yes. that that's coming up for you. And maybe it's just a wake up call for for you in some way, right? Of like, of it's showing you what you want more of.
1: Yes. And that's what I, that's what I have noticed with myself, with my most recent relationship. It was definitely with someone who was much, had no responsibility. Like, here's me, mm. I have two kids, I have a mortgage, I have several businesses. Like, Despite the fact I don't feel like I am, I am a proper grown-up. But Yeah. <laughs> shocking to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it happened. It happened. It's I
1: don't know happening. where. I don't know how. I don't know who decided. <laughs> but the last relationship I was in, Melanie, was with someone who had nothing. And I don't mean that as in, mm. I mean, he had amazing life experience, one of the best people I have ever met, the kindest, mm. most I literally, I would still put him at a 10 out of 10 in terms of great people. I still have so mm. much um, affection for him in that way. But there was definitely an asymmetry in lifestyle. And that worked out really well because I loved the fact that when the boys were with their dad, I could dive into this boyfriend girlfriend zone yeah. and it was great. And I could see a way that it could work in the future but he couldn't. So that's why I kind of am torn with this. My instinct versus not my not my instinct is because part of me does love that freedom, relaxed, yeah, low responsibility side of things. Um, yeah. But I guess it's just waiting to see if there's a way that that can work in with the rest of my life so that I feel fully seen and not just seen part-time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and maybe it's, I mean, there might be something, the fact that there's such a draw there for you. I mean, that's why I was kind of saying there might be something to explore there, but maybe it's just exploring with people that can see themselves. you know, like, I, I don't know the full situation with this person, but someone who can envision themselves in partnership, even though they have this free kind of lifestyle, they, they desire that, you know, it's like making sure that you're getting, you're choosing people that, are going to meet your deeper needs along with the fun and the the excitement of maybe kind of a nomadic person or someone who's a little freer in life. Yeah, makes total sense. And I think that's such a great
1: question for everyone to reflect on. What do you need from a relationship yeah. to be happy, but also not projecting onto your partner that they need to be everything? and taking some ownership. And that's one of the things that I have taken ownership for myself in going, oh, wow, I am drawn to less responsibility. So I have been actively bringing more fun into my life independent of another person because I don't want to look to someone to fill that void. So when people are kind of, I don't know, do you suggest that people write down a list of needs? Like, Do you think that it's helpful to do that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, and I really recommend that people, uh, instead of making your typical list of like what I want in a partner and, you know, writing on all the things, really making sure you ask yourself, what do I know I need to have to be happy? That's a different list, you know? So sometimes women will say, I'll, I'll give you an example of how this is different. Like I'll hear women say, uh, well, he, I, he needs to have gone to college and be college educated. And then I go, okay. Does he really need to have gone to college and be college educated? Or is it, or is what you need a partner who's intellectually on your level and driven and, and matches you in terms of what they're up to in life and their passion for creating things? I mean, you know, and, and it's always about the other thing. It's not about did he go to college or did he get a master's degree? Or I'll have women say, I need a guy with a full head of hair. I just, you know, I need a guy to be six over six feet. And I'm like, okay, do you really? Or are you just wanting someone that you're really attracted to? Because you might meet someone who's five, nine, who you are hot for, and you just didn't envision that in your mind. So I I think that people oftentimes they limit themselves with their preferences list and they make it so that they are going to rule out potentially good matches. But when you ask yourself, what do I need to be happy, and you make that list, that is really a better compass for you to be working with in terms of where you go when you date. I love that. And
1: what I'm hearing is, if you make a list, go through and be more discerning and look at each item on the list and go, is this a symptom or is this a cause? If the symptom is you want them to be college educated, but the cause, like the real root of that want is someone to have stimulating conversation with someone, whatever, who can meet your intellectual needs. Yeah. Reframe that list, refine, go from symptom to cause, because the cause will open up more options rather than having those blinders on. And I know I've definitely had lots of conversations with women who will have a very, like, ultra specific list as you mentioned things like not having a receding hairline um you know (laughs) really good dresser all these things and far out that's so um so tricky to find someone like that but also I imagine if you're thinking that way you probably are really hard on yourself as well yeah Totally.
0: If you're being that critical, critical, uh, the I, they have to look like this, and they can't have this flaw. It's like, well, that's your that's, that's the lens your you're looking through. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely yourself. And I mean, I used to have. It's interesting. I mean, I used to be very critical. I was harsh with myself and um, and harsh with men. And I remember you know, I had a certain kind of guy that I was into, like the shaggy looking, like wilderness man, surfer, you know, there was a certain you're, you're look. You're speaking that, my
1: language. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like
0: right, I was like, there's a certain look, you know, like you could just be like traveling the world and you're so free. And that was the guy, that was the men that I wanted and that I was attracted to. And I didn't consider anyone else, like the straight laced guys or any other look. I was like, no. And then I ended up, my ex, I met him randomly um, at an art gallery. It was so random. It was some small town. He was in the art gallery and we started talking and he didn't look anything like the typical guy that I would go for. And, And I would rule all these men out on online dating. Like, no, you don't look like the surfer guy I want. No, no, no. And then this guy shows up and He, you know, he had more of a dad bod and he was way older and was not the look that I wanted at all, but he i loved his energy and he made me laugh and he got me and like that there's this connection that made me feel Alchemy. so lit up yeah and i just wanted to see him again and i remember like i got to reach out to this guy like i i just i really liked him and you know we ended up being together for 6 years and it really made me realize like that i had been working off this list of what i thought i needed and in, in reality, I didn't need any of that. I didn't need him to look a certain way or be a certain height. Um, it's really about connection. So I think sometimes we really limit ourselves with these lists. So we have to be careful about how we approach writing that list. Mm, That's really
1: great food for thought. I'm definitely going to be a lot more aware of the actual root versus the symptom. That's so helpful. Now, before I let you get back to your date, one last question, we are as a nation, a lot of us in lockdown. And so online dating has just skyrocketed and it's brought all sorts of people to the table, which is maybe another conversation. But when it comes to writing a dating profile, could you share with me some of your must do's and your perhaps do not's?
0: Yeah. Okay. I love talking about this. I just did a workshop on it. I'm like, oh, okay, let's go. Um, so yeah. Okay. The things that I would focus on when you're writing a profile, I think that a lot of times people write what they like you know it's like I like yoga and good food and coffee um, ha- hanging out with my friends and family and traveling and it's like okay First
1: you're human
0: all, yeah like I don't 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 write I like hanging out with my friends and family and I like good food Netflix we all do right do you know anyone that's like eh, I don't like I don't like good food. I mean, come on, don't waste that little amount of real estate you have stating obvious things or going, hi, my name's blah, blah, blah. I'm, you know, it's like, don't do it. Just hone in. Instead of writing down, like we don't learn anything about you really. When you say, I like yoga and hiking uh, and listening to podcasts. Cool. I don't really know anything about you though. Like I I get what you like to do, but I don't know what you really value on a deeper level. And so I think it's really important if you're trying to attract in high quality people that are a good match for you, it's the more detail you can give about not just what you like to do, but what you value. That is going to draw in like-minded people with so much more ease. So You know, if you're into personal growth and development, if that's a passion of yours, I'm imagining if you're listening to this podcast, you are, you know, you're working on yourself. So being able to say something about, I value personal growth and development, or I'm committed to being the best version of myself or something like that. Now your ideal partner, they're going to read that and go, oh, that's, that's what I'm up to. You know, that's it's way more attractive than I like yoga and hiking. Cause you know, how many other women out there writing? I like yoga, hiking and wine or dogs or whatever, but the more you could say about what, you know, that, that shows your value. So, you know, I I think make sure that you're putting in not just what you like to do, but what you value and what's, what's most important to you and what really lights you up that's underneath the activity that is going to attract in those like-minded people way more easily because they're going to recognize you out of the sea of women out there that are writing the same things, you're going to stand out more.
1: Makes total sense. And again, back to the cause, not the symptom. Yeah, Yeah, totally. the root cause. And are there some things that you would just go, that's a blanket, do not do?
0: Yeah. Well, again, it's like, I think don't state the obvious. Um, don't say the things you hate. You know, when you say no Trumpsters or no vaccine, you know, like no no, no drama. Like uh, <laughs> you know, basically when, when someone says no drama, what you're telling me is you don't have a capacity to deal with things that are challenging, that, that that don't fit into, you know, your normal mold. Like that's a red flag to me. I would, don't focus on what you don't want Focus on what you do want and what you're creating. That's way more appealing. Um, Also, show photos of yourself doing – don't put a million photos of you and your friends because, I'm sorry, everyone's going to look at your friends too. It's confusing. It's Which blonde are you? I don't know. There's nothing
1: worse than a dating profile that is like four group shots of the same people and you're like – I know. I, I don't know. You,
0: you, you're confusing me. Like put yourself, I don't want to see a photo it's of your dog. the dog. It's rolling the dice. You, if you want to show a photo of like this beautiful sunset or your dog, make sure you're in the photo too. You know, I, I think, um, and also a, a lot of people out there will show, and especially women, you know, we've got all these filters and these things that can make us look so beautiful and don't go heavy on filters. Don't, you know, airbrush your face, like the person's going to meet you and see what you look like in real life. So you don't want to have them be disappointed because you've painted this perfect, you know, look and then they meet you and they're like, oh, show who you are, you know, really uh, show who you are in natural environments. Like sometimes I'll, I'll have some clients. Oh, this is one. I'll have clients and they're like, I don't know why I keep attracting in guys that only want to hook up with me. So I look at their photos and everything is like that, You know, that come hither face and it's like they're putting on the like, I'm so sexy, and it's like, well, look what and the shortest skirts ever, and the and and the 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 breasts are overflowing out. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, dressing seductively and all that stuff. But if you're looking for a partner, like a life partner, be mindful of the energy that you're putting out there with your photos. Um, you know, if you're bringing all sex energy, like you're going to find people that are going to want that back, you know? And so I just say, put, show who you are doing activities that you love, you know, don't, if you only go to a fancy event, like once a year, don't put a bunch of fancy event photos cause your hair is all made up. Cause that's not what you're really doing in real life. Like Show if you go out and you hike or you go to brunch with your friends, show stuff that's just real life and real you. Don't try to hide you. Don't try to be perfect. Don't airbrush. It's just about being authentic and showing your joy. So great. Those advice. are some little tips that yeah, I think advice. would be helpful.
1: <laughs> I, I read a book recently which was about a woman and it's a true story. It's her story. And she decided to go on 138 dates. And it wasn't Ooh. until she got to kind of the pointy end, I'm talking like 80, 90, 100 kind of dates that she yeah. realized she needed to be much more specific with her dating profile, because one of the men she went on a date with said to her, you know, in your profile, you say you are an Aussie gal looking for adventure. And he's like, that's not actually what you're looking for. You're looking for a long-term partner. And as I have mm. read that, Melanie, I was like, oh, okay, I probably need to be a little um, more transparent in my own dating profile because I'm quite, I don't know, like quite restrained in the information that I share. And it did kind of spark a bit of food for thought for me and going, oh, it really is a filter in getting the right, in quotes, the right people to engage with you in a conversation, you know, use it as a filter To weed out people that are not going to be a good match for you and save yourself the time and the drama.
0: Exactly. I, that I couldn't have said it better. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is your best filtering system. And if you're looking for a long-term committed relationship and you're looking for partnership, don't, don't be afraid to say what you want because, you know, men that don't want that, you want them to go away. You know, like if they, if that scares someone off, and like, oh, hey, I don't want that. Great, let them go. Like you only want to deal with the ones that are interested in that. So I yes. think, yeah, being comfortable with what you want and sharing it, knowing that that is going to be your best filtering tool. So yes. important.
1: Don't be afraid to quote unquote scare people off and one of my yeah. girlfriends always says to me sometimes Kylie the trash has to take itself out ah <laughs> uh, yes yes <laughs> you, know, you know for lack of a better expression not that those people are trash but it is a way of going just let those people opt
0: out before they even opt in totally i think it's it's such a great thing to do and so the more that you can work on you know making your profile be more authentic and showing your values and being clear with what you're looking for. It's, you're just that, that trash will take itself out and the, and the right people will come towards you. And that's what you want. So it's, it's really fun. I mean, I think online dating is, it's such a, it's an amazing tool and there's so much possibility out there, and it's just it's an incredible resource, and especially nowadays with you know less activities outside and more mask wearing and all of that, um, it's a it's, different it's, it's climate. A, yeah, so it's such a great way to meet people.
1: And how do you work with women who need help when it comes to dating apps and meeting people? Like, I would love to know a little bit more about how you actually operate? Because I think that a lot of our listeners are, one, going to run over to your Instagram very quickly because you have a lot of Instagram (sighs) TV videos that they can watch and hear more from you. But how do you actually work with women?
0: Yeah. So I work with women. I do one-on-one coaching with women. And I also have a group coaching program uh, which I love and have this community of women that are all going through this program and and really you know it's for me when I'm working with people, it's about not just the surface stuff of how to date better. I mean, we cover all that stuff, but it's really on doing the inner work and making sure that, you're a clear vessel and channel for love. You know, that there's not old resentments. There's not insecurities getting in your way. There's not fears and scarcity and all that stuff that's going to sabotage you. So we want to make sure that, you know, you're in a place where you've done the inner work and you're really like the best version of yourself and you're super fulfilled. So you're not going to dating to fill a hole within you, but you're, you're coming to showing up to dating from overflow, from like, I feel amazing and I'm going to date because I've got something to share and to give, not I need something. And so I really, I work with people, you know, privately or in the group, getting them to a place where they're really uh, in this optimal place to date, you know, and internally. And then we work on the external stuff too, how to dial it in and how to work on your profile and working with your mindset and all that stuff. So it's really, it's fun, it's deep and we really dig in there, but it's also really fun too. So Mm. that's how I work with people. Such important work. And I think there's been a real shift
1: in the zeitgeist really, because I know 10 years ago, everyone was all about, I need to find my soulmate, my missing piece, my other half. And nowadays it's much more a conversation about you need to be a full, whole person and find another whole person and do life with and alongside that person. But you're not looking for someone to, again, quote unquote, complete you. Thank you, Jerry
0: Maguire. Yes. Thank you, Jerry. Yeah. yeah, Otherwise we just get into codependent relationships because we're relying on that person for our happiness And it just, that's not where healthy relationships are born. So if you want the healthiest relationship possible, make sure that you're doing the work within yourself first. So you're in the best place possible. And then that's where the, that's where those golden nugget relationships get formed. So amazing. Well, Melanie, I could talk to you
1: for hours, as you can tell, I'm like strapping, (laughs) let me tell you all of my traumas, get comfortable. (laughs) Um, and no doubt Man. I will be following you on Instagram and probably bombarding you at times with questions. Where can our listeners connect with you over on Insta?
0: Yeah. So I'm at Melanie Hirsch on Instagram and, uh, yeah, that's the best way to reach me. I mean, I've got a website, good at com, but I think Instagram is where I'm really engaging with people and posting new videos every week. So yeah. Awesome. I will put your username
1: in our show notes as well to make it nice and easy for everyone. But again, Melanie, thank you so much for your time. I know it's your 5 p.m., so hopefully you're off now to have a wine or do something nice.
0: I am off. Yes, <laughs> yes. So nice to talk with you. I loved this.
1: This is what I want. This is what I need. if you don't have to go, I can set you free. Are you going